Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. It's the wild card weekend in the NFL, and in this episode, we're going to cover the regular weekly picks for all wild card games across the NFL, get to Andy's total prop tees, and also your news of the week. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, is Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How's it going, bud? It's going all right. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year to you as well. I guess I owe our listeners apology uh, last week. We did not get the week 17 episode of the podcast up. That was on me, not on Andy. I had uh, a really horrible stomach flu that had me bedridden for a few days, and I was just unable to actually edit the show and get it done. So please accept my sincerest apologies, but we'll make up for it on this one. Oh, I, I, I think our fans will forgive us, um, our loyal listeners. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we did talk, your holidays were great, right? They were, they were excellent. We, uh, we did discuss it and, uh, as were mine right up until the Notre Dame game against oh. Clemson. Oh, well it really, but what we learned in the playoff, the college football playoff, that is, is that really there's Alabama and Clemson and then there's and, everybody, and there's everybody else. else. Yeah. And we kind of knew that going into it, um, it wasn't a huge surprise. I was just pissed we couldn't score more than three points. Like, come on, man. Yeah, especially with how close it was in the first quarter. I was like, okay, this could be a game, you know, which we haven't had in the playoff, you know, other than no, like, obviously and- we've had some good finals. The last bundle of Clemson-Alabama games have been fantastic, but it would well, have been no, nice to see a tighter one. A tighter one would have been better. Like, Clemson, they were the better team, clearly, but uh, there was just a few bounces in the first half that if they'd have gone Notre Dame's way, the momentum may have shifted but that's not what happened so see what goes on from here i think i've heard uh, brian kelly's name tossed around for some coaching vacancies at the professional level although i have heard he wants to stay at notre dame he's got work to do he's got work to do and uh you know considering that they were what four and four and eight last year yeah um no two that was two years ago sorry no he's done a he's That's done right. a wonderful job of turning the program around so and and we still uh, love our domers man we do yeah uh undefeated in the regular season and let's leave it at that and uh now we get to the real nitty-gritty and it's the nfl wild card weekend and there's four great games on the slate so uh let's not waste much more time shall we get to news of the week i think we shall <laughs> Two nuns misappropriated substantial amounts of funds from a Catholic school in Southern California for their own use. An internal investigation found that over several years, Sister Margaret Cooper and Sister Lana Chang used funds set aside for St. James Catholic School. A routine audit raised several red flags of checks being cashed into different accounts. The amount is thought to be in the range of a half a million dollars, but uh, an investigation is underway to determine the full amount. Now, Maddie, you had a Catholic upbringing. I did. How many How many Hail Marys does stealing a half a mil get you? I'm not sure about that one, but uh, 
fooling around with a choir girl behind the grotto will get you 17 our fathers and a nasty case of bloody knuckles. Happy 75th to Keith Richards, whose birthday was a couple weeks ago. Apparently, he has all but given up boozing, he revealed during a recent interview with Rolling Stone magazine. It's been about a year now, Richards said. I pulled the plug on it. I got fed up with it. Now, Richards isn't entirely a teetotaler, enjoying, quote-unquote, a glass of wine occasionally and a beer. But this is still quite a change, given his famous panache for outrageous benders. Now, when you consider global warming, the threat of nuclear war, or an economic meltdown, you really have to wonder, what kind of world are we ultimately going to leave for Keith Richards? Maddie, even after all those things happen, there will still be cockroaches, Radio Shacks, and Keith Richards. I was reading an interview with Keith Richards recently in a magazine, and in the interview, Keith Richards intimated that kids should not do drugs. Keith Richards. He says that kids should not do drugs. Keith, we can't do any more drugs because you already fucking did them all, all right? A baby born this month in Texas weighed nearly 15 pounds, breaking records for the hospital. Baby Ali was born December 12th at Arlington Medical Hospital in Arlington, weighing 14 pounds, 13 ounces. He was the largest baby born in the hospital, according to their records. Quote, it doesn't matter how big he is. I'm blessed to have him, said the baby's mother. Ali is so big that at two weeks old, he's already in clothes for a three to six month old, and uh, he's already in a size three diaper. Quote, we skipped the size zero very quickly. I did not know that Nate Newton was still in the Arlington area. Yeah, apparently he's been making some personal donations to the local fertility clinics. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about... I, uh, diabetes and, uh, uh, you know, uh, diabetes. All right, Maddie. Yeah. Let's fire it up with our weekly picks. Let's fire it up. All right, so we got two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and uh, it's going to be a great weekend of football. First games first, the Houston Texans. They get to play a home game. Two-point favorites against the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, I'm not sure I want to face the Colts this early in the postseason. I wouldn't want to be in front of that bus. Uh, winners of nine of their last ten. Um, now, Houston is... Uh, they won, I think, nine of their last 11 games uh, after an 0-3 start. And, in fact, Indianapolis had a 1-5 start. So, you know, kudos to two teams that really turned it around. Um, I hate when announcers say that, you know, it's a must-win and the calendar still shows September. Uh, but they have certainly turned it around. Um, I think with Indianapolis, one of the most poignant things that they've done is protected Andrew Luck. I mean, there was a three-game stretch there where, they, where he didn't get sacked once. And uh, when that guy can be upright with a, uh, a clean jersey, uh, affords him a lot of time to do things downfield. And their defense has been playing better. Yeah, so, their uh, equipment manager has saved a lot of money on Tide. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, you can, you can do the cold pods. water one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Use Tide Pods for washing, not eating. Houston obviously has a great defense. Uh, they have this, their number, they're ranked number two in scoring defense. But, I, I, again, I think Indianapolis is clicking on so many cylinders. I just, 
I think the matchup here favors them much more than it does Houston. Um, you know, you look at the quarterbacks. Um, Andrew Luck's been in the league quite a few years longer than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson affords you certain things that Andrew Luck can't do, i.e. run the ball. Um, but they got Marlon Mack in the backfield, and he's playing really well and offering a new dimension to them that they haven't seen since, yeah, like Marshall Falk. Yeah, running on the road to win on the road and have a good running game. That is, that's the way to go. If you're going to do it, you can chew up lots of clock. Uh, you get yourself a lot of good field position with a good running game. And it keeps the linebackers honest for Andrew Luck. And he is awesome at, uh, especially like you said, if he's being kept upright by his O line, he is great at finding the, that little seam that exists between the linebackers and the defensive secondary. Statistically speaking, I think one of the biggest difference between these two teams has to do in the red zone, uh, both for their offense and the defense. So if, if we look at Houston's defense, they're 29th in touchdowns allowed. So 70% of the time that an opponent gets into the red zone, they allow a touchdown. They, on the other hand, only score 50% of the time when they get into the red zone. Now let's compare that to the Colts stats. They're actually 11th in scoring, allowing just over 53% of plays in the red zone uh, to convert to touchdowns. And they are actually 5th in league in scoring themselves at over 68%. So right now you're going to be trading touchdowns for field goals in in favor of the Colts. And uh, that just isn't going to add up well at the end of the game. Well, in Houston, notoriously this year, they've had a lot of come from behind uh, wins because the They've had some pretty slow starts, mm-hmm. and I don't think in a playoff game at home, you want to have a slow start. You get behind in a game like this, it can get ugly quickly, especially with an offense like Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis is on a tear. I think they're red hot. I'm picking the Colts this week, my friend. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you want to talk about uh, the ability to make comebacks, one of the biggest key metrics in doing so is how they do on third downs. So Indy actually leads the league in third down completion percentage um, at 48.6. And in fact, in the last three games, that number goes over 55%. Now, Houston, by comparison, is hitting uh, across the season in this category 37%. And then in their last three games, that number drops to just under 28%. So there's a huge discrepancy in their their third down conversions. Oh yeah, um, Indy's going to keep Andy can keep the chains moving, which gives them better field position throughout the game, a lot more scoring chances, and if Houston's not keeping up, it, it's going to be a long day for them. Yeah, I like Indy here too. Let's go Colts. What we're going to do is we're going to have all the football games now and then covers. Whoopee, yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to be a big thing. I mean, since Ralph started gambling with those football cards. Yeah, I'll tell you something, that bubblegum king is getting out of hand, huh? What do you think of the new Ralph? I think I like the old one better. All right, the second game on Saturday, we head to Big D, where Dallas plays host to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Dallas, one-point favorites at home, and uh, we've talked about it all season long, the electric fence that Jason Garrett has around 
Dallas. He they they play. They're a completely different team in Big D than they are anywhere else. And uh, they were fired up for pretty much what was a meaningless game last week against the New York Giants, where they pulled out a huge win at the end of the game. And it looks like they're really fired up for this playoff run. Oh, I had no idea that they were going to play with such uh, such vigilance right up until the 60th minute. Well, we didn't um, even fourth. think Dak was going to start. No, they left him in pretty much the whole game. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. they did. No, they, they did leave him in yeah, the whole, whole game. game. And so you got Peter Clay Carroll, who's going up against Jason Calvin Garrett. Let's just compare their coaching records here in the playoffs. Carroll's ten and seven, not stellar, but pretty uh, pretty acceptable. Garrett is one and two, and they've both been in the league about the same number of years as head coaches. So. Uh, Carroll's gone almost 20 uh, postseason games. Garrett, three. This is his fourth. Yeah, I'm surprised he still has a job by this point, but it is what oh, it is. They're not getting rid of him. That, well, no. Oh, no. Now that they're in the playoffs, he's got his job for another year. But I think yeah. Dallas can do better. But it is what it is. I mean, this is the game we're going we're gonna to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. And I think the... Uh, the key thing to look at in this one, obviously, it's the running game for both teams. Seattle... Uh, ran the ball on more than 50% of the plays this year. The only team to do that. Um, and Dallas, you know, their um, their defense allows just 95 yards per game, which makes them fifth in the league in that category. Seattle is, is rushing for 160. They're number one in the league by a big margin, huge margin. So, you know, are you going to stop the run? Are you going to stop Carson? Are you going to stop Penny? I think they can. I think they can, and they're going to make a little Russell run around the pocket and make him very one-dimensional. Well, that and that is you—you you hit the hit nail right on the head there, bud. That is exactly how you have to beat Seattle. You have mm-hmm. to turn them into a one-man show. You have to have Russell William or Wilson trying to do it all himself. If you mm-hmm. get to that point, it's going to be a long day for Seattle. And Dallas's defense has the personnel to do that. They do, and. And Russell Wilson is capable of pulling out a win, even with the burden all on his shoulders. But I think the um, the defense for the Cowboys is just too fast. Uh, the speed of those linebackers um, are not something that uh, the Seahawks have seen in the NFC West this year. Um, so, I mean, he can partly credit their, their, their record to play in Arizona twice and the 49ers twice. Um well, even though they lost to one, the one to uh, the 49ers, I'll just sneak that in there. Uh, <laughs> but Seattle is four and four on the road, and Dallas is seven seven and one at home this year. Okay, so that's a huge, huge uh, road split versus home. Um, one interesting statistic because this game is uh, it's got an eight o'clock start, I believe, or eight thirty. Um, the Seahawks in their last thirty five night games are twenty five and six and four against the spread, and that is a um, that's a poignant statistic. Well, now they that's basically good. do have to win to cover here, though. It is only oh yeah, forget spread. yeah, throw the point spread out. I yeah, mean, that's relevant. This is uh, a pick'em. It's a pick'em, and in fact, at forty-three, that's the second highest total on the board um, next to the Houston Indianapolis game that we just discussed, which is at forty-eight. So a lot of uh, low-scoring affairs predicted here. Um, if you look at the injury report, the only thing I'm, I'm hesitant to say about Dallas is that they got eight guys listed as questionable on their injury report, and that includes Sean Lee, Tavon Austin, and Tyron Smith. 
Um, Zach Martin's there, but it looks like he will be in the lineup, which doesn't sound like a big deal for a guard, but for them, it's huge. Like it's whether or not Dakota gets time in the pocket to pass the ball or not. And he's got superior run blocking skills. So um, Zeke's going to need to have a big day. Um, well, there is, there is that saying, right? The game is won and lost in the trenches. In the trenches. And right? they, you know, your front yeah, seven versus the offensive line of another team. And how, how is that going to play out? Who's pushing who back? Right. right. And having, yeah. having a start, having your starting guard in there rather than being injured. You're absolutely uh-huh. right. That is a big thing for Dallas. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's been a, a shining light for them for the last couple of years is their O line. Uh, it's not quite as good as it was last year, but it's certainly better than you know thirty of the teams that are playing right now in the NFL. Um, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys at home at minus one. Your son Ralph has been running a gambling operation, and he's got some real problems. My Ralph? Mm-hmm. Gambling? It's true. <laughs> If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk straight in there. On to Sunday afternoon, and I think these two games are where you and I are probably going to disagree, judging by our texts to one another <laughs> throughout the week. Uh, we got the Baltimore Ravens at home, uh, two and a half point favorites versus the visiting Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, this is a really interesting. Here's a. I know you like your stats. Uh, yeah. 21-year-old Lamar Jackson versus 37-year-old Phillip Rivers is the third largest age gap between starting quarterbacks for an NFL playing game. And uh, Jackson, that means he was just seven years old when Rivers threw his first pass in 2005 in the NFL. Holy shit. Well, actually, his 22nd birthday is going to be on Monday. So he's he's just old enough to drink. Um, now he gets, He's going to need uh, one after this game. He's going to need one after this game. So here, here's a stat about young quarterbacks. The last five rookies to start a postseason game have all lost. And in fact, rookie quarterbacks are 2-7 and seven in playoff games since 2010. And those two wins came when rookies faced one another. Andy Dalton versus TJ Yates in 2011. And when Russell Wilson faced off against RG3 in 2012. So they haven't fared well. And that is going to be pronounced in this game. Um... He's untested. He's a great athlete, and I'm not taking any of the ones that he he got. In fact, I don't believe he's lost once this year. Um, adds a certain certain dimension that they're uh, not quite used to seeing with Joe Flacco. But the Chargers now get Melvin Gordon back. He looks like he's not fully healthy, but you know, firing on most of the cylinders. Um, Eckler's going to be in in their backfield as well. Uh, they've got <laughs> they've got one of the best pass rushers in all of football with Ingram and Bosa. Most and, definitely. Right? And yeah. so you throw a young quarterback in front of those guys, um, it's going to be very chaotic. And Baltimore is not the type of team that can come back um, if they're down a couple scores. Uh, in fact, I think of all the games that Jackson started, uh, the most they've been losing by in any one game is eight points. Yeah, and that that it can happen very quickly against an LA Chargers offense that is. Oh yeah, like the only reason they're in a wild card game is they're in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, and they almost ended up taking the division from the Chiefs. 
well, it was, you came down to a tiebreaker, right? Yeah. And like, you got to feel sorry for them from a scheduling standpoint. You, you go, you go 12 and four, and then you got to go on the road into a different time zone to play an early game on Sunday. Yeah. It's uh, although I'll tell you this, uh, the chargers, they're pretty damn good on the road. They're uh seven and yeah. one on the road this year. That's, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, straight up and against the spread. Yeah. Um, they, and you know, we know, we all know that they play in that uh, high school stadium or whatever the hell they call it back in LA. It doesn't really matter where these guys play. They they're just a really well balanced team. I guess that's the best way um, to sort of provide accolades to them and their coaching staff. They there's not any one sort of Achilles heel that you can point to on that team. They just they now because it used to be their kicker, right? Yeah, <laughs> or their kickers. Um, now they got a guy who seems solid and he's, uh, I think he's 27 for 28 on extra points, which is a luxury they are not used to having. Trust me. No, I, I'm with, I, I think the Chargers take this game, my friend, on the road in Baltimore. Two and a half points is not that much for a team like the Chargers to cover. And I think that uh, Baltimore, uh, they're going to be great for years to come with a great young quarterback and a pretty stalwart defense. But it's not like Philip Rivers hasn't faced good defenses before. This guy is a savvy veteran. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Baltimore doesn't really have the type of team that can come back. They get down 14 points, 10 points, something like that. That game could be over in the first half. No, I, it, I didn't come to this decision easily. I mean, because, I mean, everyone's seen Baltimore in the last few games, right? You know, they, they, they hold uh, Kansas City close at Arrowhead. Uh, they had an exciting win, albeit against the Browns last week. But I, I think I think the public is 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 buying. I think their price is as high as it's going to get. And you know, people saw the Chargers lose, and, and you know, they lost to the the Ravens last time, um, a game right after they played the Chiefs, right, and won on the road on a primetime game. So it was a really bad spot for them at that time. Um, yeah, I'm liking the Chargers with the points. I said at the beginning of the season, I like the Chargers to go to the big dance in February. And uh, right now, i got to see something different to make me change my mind about that. I subscribe to the law of contrary public opinion. If everyone thinks one thing, then I say bet the other way. and on to a certain city, a certain town I love, my favorite town in the Union. Starts with a C, ends with an O. There's a hickog in the middle. That's right, Chicago. My Bears are uh, hosting a playoff game. That makes me so happy to say that. And they are actually, this is a, they're the, the highest favored team this week. Six-point favorites against visiting Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I... I like the Bears in this spot. Their defense is on fire. Their offense has come together. Like Jordan Howard was running like crazy the last few weeks. My only issue with Chicago is it better not come down to a kicker because Cody Parkey <laughs> couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel. Idiot kicker. You know, I was I was thinking if, if uh, Roger Goodell is really looking at 
splicing up the scoring in a league. Instead of giving uh, a point for an extra point and three three points for field goal, why don't you give them like an extra bonus point if they hit the upright itself? Oh well, then all of a sudden Parky <laughs> becomes the best kicker in the league. He of course, I bet you if he tried player in the league. Yeah, well, I bet you if he tried to hit the upright though, he'd Scott Norwood that one the other way. See, this is what I'm talking about. It's not the easiest thing to do when you're trying. Nope. Um, I'm more concerned about Trubisky's uh, level of experience going into this game. Well. Nick Foles showed his true colors at the beginning of this season. He's had a couple decent games the last two weeks, but mm-hmm. it's mostly been garbage crap. Uh, it's not all about Trubisky. I think if, and one thing that I've seen that Trubisky has done this season, and I hate using the term game manager. Yeah, yeah, you're going to use it. I saw that one coming. But it's, well, it's very true, though. He does not turn the ball over a lot. Well, he only I would rather the- have Mitch, yeah, but I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky back there managing the game than Jay Cutler hitting the other DBs between the numbers. Well, that's why Trubisky's playing in the playoffs and Jay Cutler isn't. Yeah, he's having, yeah. A, he's having a smoke sitting at home. <laughs> Throwing a camel to a Marlboro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, let's just, okay. So, yes, he's not, I mean, he's throwing for 230 yards a game. Okay, but he's got a 66% completion rate, so that's good. And One he does thing, very uh, well on third down. Pardon me? He does very well on third down. He does very well on third down. One of the most impressive stats that I think they have collectively as a team is the fact that he's not targeted any one receiver more than 20% of the time. In fact, they don't really have a number one receiver. Um, they've got a whole whack of good number two receivers. And when, you, when, you're, bal- when you're that balanced uh, in the passing game, um, like who are you going to double cover, right? So... That's going to put a couple wrinkles in for Philly's defense. But Philly's defense uh, in the last month has probably been playing as well as anyone's. Uh, well, let's not yeah, – hold on. They've been playing pretty well, but it's not the Bears' defense. And Nick Foles is going to be seeing a lot of navy blue jerseys in the backfield this week. Yeah, he probably will because they're going to shut down the running game. I mean, that's one thing that you can guarantee with the Bears. Um, uh, Josh Adams, our guy from Notre Dame. Um, he's likely going to be their lead back this week. And I feel sorry for him because he's not going to get that many yards. Um, and we've got so- a great secondary in Chicago. And those guys, like, really, uh, the only two guys you got to worry about are, are Jeffries and Aguilar. And I think that the yep. Bears can handle a, a two-man rotation of, of receivers. That's not... Yeah, they don't, those guys don't get a lot of separation, even at the best of times. So no. um, I see Foles having to throw this at least 45 times. Um, if they're going to do anything, and that, that's a little, that's a little dangerous, right? That's a little. Well, when dangerous. you do that against a turnover uh, style defense, a team that forces mm-hmm. a lot of turnovers, forty-five times, you can expect a couple turnovers. And uh, when the Bears do that, and I know, I know that uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, with his ankle injury, is listed as questionable. However, yeah. all of the Bears insider chat that I follow on Twitter, a lot of the uh, Bears talking heads are saying Eddie Jackson will be go- will be a go come game time. That's a oh, huge bump. Really well. You get Eddie yeah. Jackson in there, and you've got Kyle Fuller on the other safety. Uh, they've got one of the best secondaries in football to go with the best pass rush in football. Oh, speaking of which, I got a I got a neat little stat here for you. So Khalil Mack has uh, twelve and a half sacks this season. He does. Apparently, that's pretty good in the NFL. Guess how many sacks the entire Oakland Raiders team had this season? How many? Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, you know, the Oakland Raiders have uh, turned from the autumn wind to uh, the NFL's autumn fart. It's just a warm breeze. Oh, I was happy that they won on Christmas Eve. Like it gave the, gave Raider fan a last last chance to see uh, the team in glory. Yeah, but uh, anyway, back to this game. So let's talk about six points because yeah, as you mentioned earlier, that's the largest spread on the board. Uh, and when you couple that with a total, that's the lowest total on the board at forty one. This is going to be a tight game, man. Yeah, I think it will be uh, pretty tight. But the last few few weeks, Chicago has uh, put a lot of points on the board and not allowed a lot. Mm, yeah, but think about the teams that they faced. Detroit yeah. twice. Minnesota. Um, well, yeah, Minnesota crapped the bed. Holy Christ. Yep. I, that was, okay, I mean, kudos to your guys for, for winning on the road like they did. I don't even know if they wanted to win. Um, yeah, I think they did. I'm not sure if I'd rather face Philly or Seattle, but... Uh, my God, it did Minnesota look like they threw in the towel? Yeah. Like, if there's guys on the hot I don't know if Zimmer should be on the hot seat because I think he's still a pretty good coach and they're but, still tinkering. You know, it's a good thing they got rid of Case Keenum and gave the big money to Kirk Cousins. That's working out real well for them. Oh, him. that was a good ROI on that one. Yeah, Minnesota knows, hey, you can't choke in the playoffs if you don't make the playoffs. <laughs> good thinking. Good thinking. Uh, where were we? Oh, we were talking about six points. Yes. So, you know, for a wild card weekend, to have all four games under touchdown means it's going to be a very competitive weekend. So we've got – let us let me boil it down here, okay? So you've got Doug Peterson that comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. You've got uh, Matt Nagy that comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Um, you've got Mitchell Trubisky, who's now in his second year, having his first playoff game. Going against a guy who was the Super Bowl MVP last year, less than 12 months ago. Yeah, he's like Trent Dilfer. That was a fucking one-off. Okay, so here's his record in the last two seasons in uh, season-ending games, elimination games, 5-0 and straight up. Yep. All right. It's about to be 5-1. and All right. Well, not only am I going to pick the fucking Eagles to cover, I'm going to say that you might want to put some money line action on them as well and i right now am rolling a movie camera reel by my left fist as my middle finger is coming up to tell you to go fuck yourself ah, i can picture that that's great dude that's awesome yeah go bears uh, stop bears soar like an eagle baby fly like an eagle come on ralph you owe us a lot of money you better pay up a lottery you're gonna get every penny of it in due time it's time. Please hang up and try again. All right, now it's time for the playoff version of Andy's Total Prop Tease. And uh, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, Andy's been the swami this year. His Total Prop Tease, if you've been betting along with this, you've made a decent amount of money, that's for sure. For those of you that don't know, Andy's Total Prop Tease is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total, a proposition bet, finally a teaser. And we invite you to do this same thing along with us on our Facebook fan page. Now, a successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. So put your Swami hat on. Give us your wild card weekend thoughts. All right. So last week we picked uh, Dallas and the Giants game to go over 43. And I believe the final total was 69. So we covered that easily. And we're going to go back to the same well again. I look for the Seattle-Dallas game to go over 43 points. Um, it started at 43 and a half. The numbers ticked down. I think that's ridiculously low. 
Um, yes, they both have decent defenses, but I think you're going to see quite a few points scored in this one. The proposition bet is a guy that we spoke about early in the episode, and that would be running back Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts right now sitting at 49 and a half rushing yards. So if you want to take the over in that, you got to lay a buck 20, but uh, I think he's going to have a pretty, pretty good day on the gridiron. And lastly, our teaser, this was uh, fairly straightforward. Didn't have to overthink this one too much. Right now, um, both Manny and I picked the Chargers and the Colts to win outright. Um, you can tease those both up to plus nine and plus eight, respectively. And uh, those are going to be tight games, even if they don't win. Those are still pretty safe uh, safe numbers to have at over a touchdown. So, again, Seattle, Dallas over 43. Marlon Mack to go over 49.5 rushing yards. And the Chargers and the Colts juice those guys up to plus nine and plus eight. All right, step right up. The big game is about to start. Put your bets down. College or pro, all you need is three teams to win. Taking candy from a baby, right, Dollface? <laughs> All right, it's time for our weekly recap where we uh, give you the rundown. It was only four games this week, so it won't take too long. And uh, Andy and I only actually disagreed once. So, uh, Mr. Prognosticator, uh, give our kind listeners the rundown on who we like this week. All right. So, on Saturday, Maddie and I both agreed that the Indianapolis Colts would win and cover. Um, also, that the home team Dallas Cowboys would win and cover. On Sunday, we both liked the Los Angeles Chargers to both win and cover. The only thing that we disagreed about were the Chicago Bears, where I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have a strong showing and very easily cover the six points, whereas Maddie thinks otherwise. Well, thank you to all our fans for listening to the Wild Card Weekend episode of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all the wildcard games across the NFL this weekend. Please submit any questions you might have to almostwiseguys at gmail.com or our Facebook fan page from the Cosa Nostra Studios. For Andy, the prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Come on, baby, don't you wanna go?
back to that same old place Sweet home, Chicago 